welcome to everyone. What, a, what an awesome framing thought for the night to show us your glory. Um, as the Lord has done that in our lives, so much of what uh, springs forth with a heart for missions, and as Pastor Jeff shared on Sunday, uh, making sure that the good news is, is proclaimed broadly, just such a wonderful thing to be a part of. So um, we have a conversation for you tonight. It's one that we've really longed to share with you. I'm a little sad because this should be like six hours and two meals and three pots of coffee. It's not going to be, uh, but there's so much. Uh, just uh, We want you to know that there's such a treasure that the Lord has worked among us, and it really is um, a tale of two fellowships in some ways. It's um, a work that the Lord has done through Jeff and Christina Fadness, who you met on Sunday as the Lord led them out from the States and into Russia. And then uh, our fellowship here at Calvary Chapel Lynchburg as Pastor Troy led our body into just long-term faithful support and outreach uh, with their fellowships, which is a very sweet story. Um, so yeah, let me just open us briefly in prayer and we'll jump right in. Father, we do uh, rejoice at the way your glory has been uh, on display, Lord, and uh, we desire to uh, recognize you in it. As uh, Rebecca was praying earlier, Lord, um, just the reality, the joy of rehearsing uh, your goodness, Lord, together. Pray that uh, each heart would be encouraged, Lord, and that you'd light a fire, Lord, that you'd stir us and prepare us for your usefulness, Lord, uh, as we look at all this. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I thought we'd start, uh, if we could, with um, maybe just, uh, Troy, you and Jeff kind of resetting for us at that, at that moment in history, kind of what in the world was going on? What was happening as your lives were being sort of uprooted and you were being moved, and Troy, as you were already on the move? Give us a quick recap of what the planet was like. So it was 1992, and... Um, we had already, as a church in, in Vista, been doing outreaches over into uh, Europe. We had been going over into Yugoslavia. We had been going over into Hungary and doing some ministry there. And then, actually, it was, I think, it was Bill, was it Bill Bright that came to Pastor Chuck? Yes. Yeah. So Bill Bright, uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, came to Pastor Chuck and said, there's an opportunity um, over in Russia. And we need to just get as many people in there as we possibly can. Um, and so that's kind of the first time I heard about it was through Pastor, I don't know if I heard through Pastor Chuck or, or Brian had heard that and he related to us as a staff. And so um, it wasn't long after that that um, we got a team together of uh, 40 high schoolers. Got the high schoolers in here tonight. Um, it wasn't them. Um, they looked like them, though. The 40, 40 high schoolers um, from two different churches, Calvary Chapel Vista and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. And we were going over to uh, do ministry um, there in Moscow where we had um, already uh, sent uh, some team members, a pastor and missionaries ahead. And they were doing some ministry there in Moscow. And that was the plan, though, was just to get into Russia while the doors were open and um, preach the gospel and get as many people into solid churches as possibly uh, could happen. And we had seen the Lord do something like that. In, um, at that time, it was Yugoslavia, and it was Hungary. So we were, we were kind of rolling out with that model. Yeah, so that, the news of a wide-open door sort of hit the Calvary body with, with some expectancy, some yeah. urgency. Yeah. 
So in the meantime, back at the ranch, we are uh, preparing to go to Missouri to do some ministry. And the Lord brought Proverbs 16:9 alive. A man plans in his heart, but the Lord directs the steps. Uh, he directed us to answer the call to move to Russia in um, spring of 92. And uh, the Lord allowed us to be there on June 6th of 92. And from there, um, he allowed us to begin sharing the gospel. Uh, it was challenging. Obviously, we did not know the language, didn't know the culture, didn't understand a lot at that time. All we knew is that God called us to Russia, diverted us away from Missouri for the time, thinking we'd be in Russia for about one year and then go back to Missouri, but um, we landed, we began the ministry, and Pastor Troy and his team came over in August of 92, first evangelistic team that we hosted from the States to preach the gospel on the streets to Russians who were so hungry. Yeah, that's awesome. So we'll, we'll swing back to that, because that was a bit of a, the Lord's redirect for your team. Um, share with us for a minute, uh, Jeff and Christina, just as a couple, as a very young family, we've got that famous quote of 10 suitcases and four boxes um, as you arrived. Uh, how did that feel? What was that like? Um, well, um, gosh, I remember just, we were headed to Missouri, suddenly we're headed to Russia. Um, last night we were at a home Bible study and we were part of home Bible studies at Calvary Chapel Downey. We were part of three different home Bible studies. And I just remember that those loved ones, those ones that we had gathered with weekly for um, six years, yeah. were behind us. Yes, they were, were sending us. It was like this little church within the big church of Calvary Chapel Downey. And I think that um, without their support, without their prayers, mm -hmm. Maybe we would not have headed out with those 10 suitcases and those boxes, and they were really supportive. They, they committed to pray for us. Those home fellowships committed to pray for us every day as we launched out on the mission. And when, when times are tough, to just know that there's a group of people praying for you back home is gold. It really is. And do you just talk about the timing of it? Like, uh, you know, historically and politically in the nation, when did it open up? I mean, what year was it that it opened up for things to... Well, it was 91. It was 91. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. yeah. So Calvary Chapel Downey, they sent Tom, Tom Rogers. He went out to Vladimir, Russia in January of mm -hmm. 92, and he was there six weeks. He was, like, checking it out as... Somebody mentioned drilling holes, looking for the ministry that we would become a part of. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so the Lord redirected you. You were uh, thankfully in motion, obedient to what you thought the Lord was showing, but on the way, he majorly redirected you. Pastor Troy, you were also in motion. You were in Russia answering the call that you thought was there. Describe that uh, encounter. How did that go? Yeah, so it was... Uh, <laughs> It's one of those great uh, stories of how the Lord closed a door, but he was opening doors. And um, I, I think of Acts chapter 16, uh, verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, 
they came down to Troas. And so there, this was uh, a trip with 40, well, it was myself, my dad was on the trip, Rod Paro was on the trip, um, and uh, another pastor, youth pastor um, from Costa Mesa, handful of counselors, and the rest were um, you know, young people. We all were young except for my dad. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we all were in our 20s or in our teens. I mean, nobody was, you know, this was just a, a, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> exactly. And um, we just knew we were going to go over there. And, we're, and, you know, we've been told the door is open to go to Russia. So we went to Russia to share the gospel and to hook up with the church that was there. And, um, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know where these folks are today, but I may just tell you that when we showed up, it was a hot mess in that church. It just was, they were grumpy. They, I mean, within the first 15 minutes of being there, they told us that we were more work than we were help. And why didn't you even think to bring Fig Newtons? And um, I'm not making this stuff up. And um, so my response was to throw them $10,000. I said, I didn't bring Fig Newtons, but how about that? So, I mean, it was not a really good start, as my dad will attest to. After he walked out the door, he goes, well, that was great, son. What are we going to do now? So, um, it, but they just, they didn't want us there. They wouldn't, when we would do outreaches, they didn't come. Um, and, and they were having internal fighting, and they thought the whole thing was a waste of time. And, and so um, I make a, a phone call to somebody who had put the trip together um, and made us that connection for us, and I, I just told him. And yeah, well, actually, yeah, he was in this, he was at, went to our church as well, George Bryson, but he was in Kiev with the college and career ministry. Um, and I, I, I don't even know how I got in touch with him, but I did. And, uh, and I said, George, it's a mess here. And he goes, yeah, we were afraid it might be like that. I go, then why didn't you send us here? He goes, well, we, we wanted to find out for sure. I said, it's for sure. You know, this is, this is really problematic. And, and he said, well, why don't you, there, you know, do you know Jeff Fadness? And I said, I know his brother. And he said, well, give him a call and see if he can go do some ministry there. So that's, what, that's how we ended up getting connected with him because we had, this was days into a, like a 14-day trip. And we're working with the church that doesn't want us to be there. And we're like, what are we going to do? And, and the, that team was even kind of souring the experience and the, and the spirit of all these young people. It's like, they don't even want us here. I'm like, don't worry about them, you know? So, but meanwhile, there's great things going on. I mean, it's, there are people getting saved all over the place. I mean, it was amazing. And maybe we'll get a chance to share some of those stories. But that's how we connected was, was through a closed door um, with doing ministry with missionaries from our church. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think the, the, when you talk about what do we do now, that happens a lot yeah. on the field. Um, we had that moment many times. First time um, when the, the team left, shouldn't say it that way, when the team that we came Two, when we moved to Vladimir, there's a short-term team there from Downey. They had been there for almost two weeks. We came when it was about five or six days left on their trip, and then they were going back, you know, to Downey. And so we had a few days with them, and then that day came around when they were going to say goodbye to us. 
who are now living in Russia. And that moment when that bus drove away and we're, you know, we're like waving to all the people through the windows and they go down the road and, and specifically, I mean, in the very moment that they kind of got out of sight, I literally turned to my wife and said, what do we do now? <laughs> Our three kids are right next to us. We're going, what do we do now? And so, but it, it again, it launched a Lord, Lord, Lord help. Because yeah, you were at a hotel, right? Yep, hotel. You, you didn't have a flat set up? Nope. Did you have a hall? Did you guys have a hall? We had the hall. Yeah, where you could meet and hold um, church, yeah. We had two hotel rooms. One was for all the equipment, for the services and so on, and the other, other one was ours for our five family one hotel room. Yeah, and in the meantime, between when we arrived and when your team came, we realized quickly how we needed a team, and the Lord brought us a young man who joined our team full-time, and then a family came with two teenagers. And so then when Troy called and said, hey, I have this busload of young people, and Jeff said, come on down, it was really life-changing because we were ready. Like, we had our team. We were ready. We learned from the team that came with Troy how to do street evangelism. The two teenagers that had been there from Florida, they were kind of hurting and kind of lost. It just, it really changed their lives. Mm -hmm. And then they started a drama group after, yeah. But, and I'd love for you guys to share too a little bit about, I mean, we've touched on it, but the importance of these scouting trips. You know, people who maybe went before you or who went with you who were willing to explore not knowing what the Lord might do, but just stepping forward. Because I love the faithfulness you're sharing of, you know, the, the, we're trying to lift out for all of us to really consider those ministry and missions principles that, you know, have been learned in the, you know, 60 plus years of, you know, field ministry that you guys share. Um, so we hear that, you know, okay, obey in the direction that the Lord has for you, but be prepared to be redirected. Um, you know, recognizing that you that there's no way that you're going to do this alone. So begin to build a team of gifted folks to go with. But how about the, any other thoughts just about that scouting approach or going out ahead and seeing what the Lord might have? I think it's fun to do it. I think it's fun to do it. You got. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen, so you got to be flexible. And you're just looking to see what is the Lord doing. You know, is the Lord giving us. <clears throat> This, this moment in time to come to this place to do this work. And um, mm -hmm. so I think it's really valuable, um, but you don't yeah. have everything worked out. You don't have everything planned out. And, uh, so. and if I could just add to that, I've been thinking a lot as we're sharing right now how it's like a war in a good way. You might not be on the front lines, but everybody's called to be involved in the effort. It's not like a church sends a missionary and there's separation between the church and the missionary and the missionaries got it you know they're out there on, on by themselves and they'll do well but everybody gets involved and so you know some some plant some water some see the fruit others are praying others are giving others are there's ministry of encouragement it's, it's just takes a full body effort for sure and we realized that very, very, very soon. We were so thankful for Calvary Downey and their willingness to send us. But realizing very quickly a team is going to be vital if this ministry is going to 
do what we feel that the Lord wanted to be done. And actually, one of our team members was on the team that we joined there in Vladimir, Ron Castro, mm -hmm. and he he had just gone just to do a short-term mission trip. He had no clue that he was going to be moving to Russia full-time. But he was back within a few months, and he stayed like 12 years. And he actually met his wife there. So. Important. Yeah, so I, th I think there's just, you know, <laughs> as Pastor Chuck used to say, blessed are the flexible. So you go out on these trips, and you just, Lord, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. You have an idea, but... Yeah, and I think... Also, we had a, many people who wanted to come, and they asked, what am I going to do? You know, I don't play the guitar. I can't sing. Um, what, well, how can God use me? I tell you what. I would say sometimes, Christina would encourage, you never know. You just hugging a grandma in Russia can break her heart for the Lord. And we saw that. So don't think you have to be extraordinarily gifted in the way that we typically think gifting is. It's love. And whatever that is manifested in or how, a hug. I mean, so don't sit and think, I could never go anywhere because I can't do anything. Don't buy into that enemy lie. Amen. So as all this is happening, and uh, Jeff, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, that tendency for all of us to look at missions and ministry functionally, I, I want to take two moments tonight to um, pull back and look a little bit more personally, one with Christina, one with Rebecca in a little bit. Christina, so you're there and you've shared, you know, the general feeling of there goes the bus and here we are, you know, Americans in Russia. But what I, you guys shared with the staff on uh, on Tuesday some of the uh, some of your struggles. We looked at uh, I think it was First, first Corinthians, you know, uh, struggles without and fears within. Can you share a little bit about the journey the Lord took you on over time, just in in dealing with um, preparing you to be there and be effective as a minister? Well, gosh, yeah, those fears within. Um, I don't think I had a lot of time to prepare for the idea that we were moving to Russia instead of Missouri. And we had three children, three, five, and seven. Um, I think once we arrived, we could see that, wow, this is a world power, Russia, Mother Russia. But there were certain uh, circumstances in the city that I didn't feel really safe all the time in the beginning. And so that fear, I think we have fears as mothers, like, what about my children? And so right away, our daughter Hannah had gotten into three different situations with her health, a bashed forehead, a broken wrist, falling into a pit, like within a three-week period. And this was just one slight fear that we had that, how are we going to take care of her? But through those instances, the Lord brought to us this doctor, Dr. Michael, and he was insistent on helping us with her, with her broken wrist. But I was resistant. I'm, I don't want her to go to the hospital. Thank you. But finally, we let her go. And this doctor, he became our friend the whole time we lived there. Whenever we had a health issue, we would call him. So how the Lord just dispelled mm -hmm. that fear within the first month that I'm with you. I'm going to take care of you. I've gone before you. Mm -hmm. so. Amen. 
so encouraging and so important for the longevity to be able to let all that go and trust him and that's really sweet. Well, and, and maybe let me just transition, Rebecca, <clears throat> as you had shared earlier this week and we were stirring some of these thoughts, you, you kind of relayed as you and Troy had transitioned from Australia, from being on the field, from being very engaged to being a mom and as, as these opportunities were opening up for Troy, what was that like for you as you were eager to serve and minister? Yeah, I've always been the one that wants to go. You know, some people are like, no, I want to send. You know, I want to go. I never wanted to watch the game. I wanted to be in the game. You know what I mean? Play the game. I never wanted to. But um, so when we got married, as some of you know, oh, my goodness, look at that picture. <laughs> Mom jeans. Anyway, um, so we were um, got married, went to Australia, partnered together. It was great. Got back to the States. He starts going to Yugoslavia and Hungary and all these places and taking these teams, England and Spain and all these places. And the Lord's just moving and, and he gets to do, um, you know, all that neat stuff. And I was like, well, I want to go. I want to go. But the Lord had a different plan for my life at that point. And uh, so at the time in California, I was actually working and then started having babies. And uh, then we came out here, fast forwarding through a lot of things, um, had you know, three children. And I was so, I was very content because the Lord had finally gotten me to that place where I loved it. I mean, I always wanted to be a mom. I loved that from day one, but I also wanted to go. And so there was that conflict of, but I want to go. I want to be out there. But the Lord was like, no, you get to be a part of this by, by praying and by keeping the home fires burning and guarding the stuff as the Old Testament tells us, right? The men and who stayed back and guarded the camp, they got the same amount of spoils and reward, right? As the men who went and fought. And so the Lord reminded me of that very often. And so I was very content with that until our children were four, six, and eight. And he kept saying to me, you know, all this is going on in Russia, revival's happening, and there's all these women, and you need to go. And I was like, no, but God has me staying, you know. And then he came home one day and said, you know, when the kids were four, six, and eight, that's small kids, four years old, that's little. And um, so he was like, you better start learning Russian because you're coming <laughs> with me. He's like, Dobre utra. You know, he's teaching me all these things. And I was like, oh, no, now I'm a goer. So I literally uh, got a um, group of my friends to come over every single week and pray just for me for the Russian trip because I was so aware of my inadequacies. I was so aware that I hadn't been out there in a long time. And I was like, I don't speak the language. I don't know the culture and all of these fears within and all of these things that seemed like obstacles. And um, so I went from being a single woman when I first got saved, going to England on missions trips. Then I got married, didn't go. And then, well, got married, went as a married couple, came back home. Then he would go, and I would stay. And then here I am going again as a married woman with children. So I want you just to see the stages. You guys, I was 14 when I got saved. And I was like, I got to go. I just want to go tell the world. And so I hit high school with that mindset, which was great. But um, I wanted to go and go. So if you feel that way, you never know what door the Lord might open for you. But it looked different. I was single, then I was married, then I was married with children. And all three times I got to go. So, um, you know, the Lord just prepares you. He changes um, the way things work in your life. Sometimes you're a sender. Sometimes you're a goer. Um, and so we got to go over there and, and just sometimes stand there because there wasn't a translator. And we had a Bible that had Russian on one side and English on another. So we would, I would literally stand there with people who I could not communicate with and point to scriptures. I would go to John 3.16 and I would go to Romans and I would go to all these scriptures and just 
and they would just nod their head after they read it, and I would just be like, translator, you know, and try to get someone over there. But, you know, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate translator, and the Word of God is anointed. And so sometimes you're just going over there and hugging people and reaching out, and, and if you have a Bible that can translate, I don't know. I, I, don't, think, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but, but I always felt very inadequate from day one. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I didn't go to Bible college, you know, but it was like I just wanted to go and share what I know. And, you know, the thing the Lord brings to me all the time is I feel like I'm the guy that, when the Lord healed him um, of his blindness, and they brought him in, and they're questioning him, and all he kept saying was, I was blind, but now I see. You remember that story? They're, like, bringing him in. They even bring in his parents. Well, is this your kid? And was he blind? And he's, like, they're, like, ask him. And he said the same thing. I was blind. Now I see. That's my only story, <laughs> and I'm sticking to it, you know? That's the only story I had to say. I, I wasn't theological. I didn't. I, I just knew that the Lord had, I was blind, and now I see. And so if that's your, the only thing you know, you're qualified to go. So don't let the stage of life that you're in keep you from that, whether you're single, married, children, no children, whatever, retired, you know, um, go if the Lord's leading you to go, because you're going to feel inadequate no matter which stage you're in. But that's okay, because the Lord is always more than adequate. You know, and I love the way that illustrates, you know, kind of the, the multiple levels that the Lord is working on, right? He, he's He's got the desire for us to obey, to go forth, to accomplish the objectives, but there isn't anybody that goes that isn't dealing with some of these levels of internal growth and challenge, and you'll see that in some of the testimony, you know, quotes that we'll share, and I, I just love that. That's happening. So don't be surprised, you know, don't be surprised by the fiery trial, you know, even when it's coming from within. And I think maybe before we just leave this whole um, part of the beginning <clears throat> in these trips is to, just to know that. Um, well, you know, you do the best you can when you can plan, do a good job with it. But when you can't plan, don't decide you're not going to do anything, right. right? So, I mean, you guys went and you didn't know Russian, and you didn't even know, I mean, you didn't know much of what was going to happen. It was unfolding for you, um, and, you know, in a much more profound way than it was for us. Ours was a two-week trip, um, but, you know... You know, you have a plan, but even the plan we did have for those two weeks got thrown in the trash can. So, you know, I think we, we're, we're planners. We like to have it all in order, and that's great. If you have the opportunity to plan, I think stewardship would require you to plan and seek the Lord. But if you can't plan or you can only plan to a certain point, um, don't bail out because it doesn't meet your level of, um, yeah, comfort or backup plan or any of that. It's, so that, that's the beginning. It described as kind of a season where there was simplicity of ministry mm -hmm. and revival. Rebecca, you shared, you know, that, you know, it's as simple as it could be, right? Just point and, and read. The other examples that you guys remember just, you know, throughout the years of that kind of approach. You mentioned the drama team. Um, you want to share any of the other ways that you guys typically reached out and tried to connect with the locals? Mm. Uh, yeah, it was exactly what we're talking about. Um, in a way, we, d we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we had a sense, uh, we were on the move. So we, we knew we were, we were convinced that we were there to plant a church and to preach the gospel. We knew that. But instantly we realized we don't know the language. 
uh, we don't know the culture. And you find yourself when you live in another culture that you don't understand the culture, you're scratching your head and going, why do they do it like that? What's going on here? You can't understand the language. Um, the, the culture stress, if you're living in another culture, is like a hum in the background always and every day. But we, were, we knew that we were in motion. And we knew that the Lord was somehow directing us. Um, we decided to show the Jesus film. And every time, every time we showed it, full haul, it, no matter what, we could show it six times a day. People were, God had prepared that field in an amazing way. People were so hungry to hear good news after decades of not so good news. And I look at you young people here, and I was just imagining, you know, in the time in Russia in the beginning, so many young people that gave their life to Christ, wanting to know this God that they had now met hungry for the word. It was just such a beautiful, simple time. Nothing complex about it. And that, at that time, the Lord had opened the door. And we talk about windows. So the, the window was wide open the, initially. So you could just go on the street anywhere at any time, preach the gospel, um, secure the hall, show the Jesus film. Nobody was interfering with that. Well, and just when you mentioned that, well, we didn't know what we were doing or the plans had changed or suddenly we weren't here, we were there. I think that we all know that we met Jesus one day and he changed our lives, right? And we were there, we were learning the language, a Russian professor was coming to teach us Russian. We used our Russian English Bible, we went through the book of Matthew, she became a Christian, she became a believer. And I think that we do know what we're doing because we're just loving people, we're right. being salt and light, we're moving and walking in every circumstance that he brings each day, no matter what it is. And I think we would look back on our time at Calvary Chapel Downey and think we were fellowshipping with the saints, we were in the word, we were having communion, we were in prayer, mm -hmm. and we were having home Bible studies. And so that's what we kind of did there. We just, we started a home Bible study in our home and mm -hmm. it was just, the Holy Spirit was working. Yeah, we I think that's, the, that's, you know, the moment back then, um, you know, so we've been in ministry for a long time. How long have we been? 33, 5? I'm married 33. So, I mean, 34, yeah, so probably about 34, 35 years of <laughs> full-time ministry. And what we experienced in those early years in Russia, I mean, I've never sensed it anywhere else. I mean, it was just so wide open. And people were, I mean, you would go to give away Bibles and you would think you were giving away $100 bills. I mean, people would flood up to get, get those Bibles. And I can remember when we were in Moscow, because, you know, again, this church in Moscow doesn't want us here, but God's working yeah. in Moscow. Um, and we were out on, what was that, that, Arbot Street. And we were doing outreach in Arbot Street. And... Um, this is just marketplace, and it's just jam-packed with people. I mean, we just, I mean, you got the, you know, Americans, we just decided, let's set up a PA right here in the middle of this, you know, narrow marketplace, and let's preach the gospel mm -hmm. in Russia. Mm -hmm. 
and we just, we, so we did it. And, you know, we got up there and shared the gospel. I mean, it was just jam-packed and asking people, um, you know, who would like to give their life to the Lord? And just a sea of hands coming up and running out of Bibles. And I remember so clearly, I know my dad will remember this. He goes, you have got to come meet these ladies that just gave their um, life to the Lord. And I've got a picture tucked away somewhere. We couldn't find it. But it was probably um, three or four uh, Russian grandmas, babushkas, and they um, they were just cl- clutching these uh, Bibles, and they just talked. They said, "We knew there were more. We were praying, Lord, show us more, show us more." And we, but they never heard the gospel. They were in church and they were praying, but they never heard a Bible study. They never heard the gospel, and um, <clears throat> didn't own a Bible. And so to be the first to be able to hand them a Bible and lead them to the Lord, these ladies were weeping, and I mean, I was being kissed all over my face and just was so much thanksgiving and that repeated itself a couple of years later and Alexandrov when evangelist Vernon you know was sharing the gospel and people got you know saved and you know a a younger lady just um she was probably twice my age at that point but um not a grandma and just she was I can't believe this I had no idea that I could actually have the hope of heaven and you can correct me but there's no real doctrine of justification you know within or, the russian orthodox they don't believe that you can really know so it's a works thing that they're always rolling through and um so when we told her you can know that you can go to heaven and share the gospel and show the word um she just said how can i ever repay you how can i and you know this is just out on the street she goes how can i ever repay you for you know what you've done. And I said, you don't have to. I mean, you don't have to repay me. And so, um, yeah, the, this is the heart that people had. And that window did close. It did. It did. And Christina just reminded me of you guys, there's still a wonderful group of grandmas that have been prayer warriors year after year they gather in Vladimir they pray for their it's just amazing to see their faithfulness to the Lord and how they minister through prayer and through loving those around them yeah it's beautiful Amen. could we uh, get a look at some, some of those first testimonies that we threw up again uh, so just so you you know part of the heart for tonight is to really give us as a body here at Calvary Chapel Lynchburg, a sense of just the degree of involvement the Lord's allowed us over the years. So, you know, Pastor Troy has been there, you know, a host of times. Rebecca's been to Vladimir six times or more. Vernon's been multiple trips, led trips. Um, More than 30, just in my brief, you know, looking around the fellowship and who I could talk to and find, you know, more than 30 people from the fellowship have gone and spent, you know, multiple weeks walking in faith and pouring out the truth and ministering both to the body and in the streets. And so it's just, it's, it's a special thing. So we grabbed just some of the thoughts and highlights from some of the people, and we just wanted you to be hearing those so you could get a sense of, you know, some of it is a sense of what happened on the ground when they went, and some of it is a sense of what happened in the heart when they went. And so it's all just really valuable. And I'll just read some of them as we go through. We'll intersperse them. But, um, one of the one of the brothers said on one of the trips we ministered in a village outside any cities and one half of the team took one side of the street to do house to house evangelism the other team took the other side and and the other team led a lady to the lord who quickly 
joined and went with that team next door to her own neighbor's house and told the neighbors, listen to the good news that she had just received. You know, what a cool moment. So, you know, to watch people, just like you said, how, how can I ever repay you that response of the Lord of being in contact with grace and immediately without being told that you should do this too, of course she's doing this. Like, just freely you've received, freely you give. Um, another um, brother shared uh, on my first trip to Russia when it was a little more open for sharing, so again, that you know, kind of closed later, I had lots of opportunities to open-air preach at bus stops and other places to boldly just share in the middle of a place like that and see fruit really encouraged me to know just how powerful the Word of God and the Gospels were and to simply share and let God do the work. Yeah, it was really simple, you know, with the PA system, somebody with a guitar. They would sing worship songs sometimes. I got a picture of um, Anya and um, another young lady, I can't remember her name, um, from way back singing a song, and it just gathered a crowd. And you guys, alcoholism was, I don't know if it still is, I mean, just rampant. It's a, it was a terrible communist situation that they were just barely out of, and they were just so aware of their need. And, and when you could present... Oh, God loves you. He sees you. He, he sent his son for you. And you can just offer this simple thing. I mean, it just was so powerful in their lives. I mean, there was so much weeping, so much appreciation, and so much just um, joy at the thought that God really loved them, that he was real. And um, because, you know, the Lord has given a measure of faith right to every heart. And they just need to hear the gospel and understand it so they might receive. And, and we went door to door. We would go from park to park. In fact, when we did um, sort of those, I think it's when we were at Camp Sunny, and that we were going to these different cities, and these groups, this group of kids, you remember this? They would follow us from one park to another. And we didn't speak the language very much. They would say, hello. I mean, they, they you know, hello, they're little. And we'd say hi, and they'd go, They'd laugh. And we would just play Duck, Duck, Goose. You know, I mean, you can play Duck, Duck, Goose any language. How do you say Duck, Duck, Goose in Russian? I don't know. They did. Um, but it was so awesome because it was just very simple and smiling and loving and hugging. And, and at the time, it was very safe, actually, for the children to do that, to go from place to place. Um, and uh, just we would set up the PA, and then he would teach, or he would teach, or Rod, somebody would just share the gospel, Jeff, and people were just running to Jesus. It was really a revival, wonderful, sweet, sweet time. Um, but it was really simple as far as what we were doing. It's not like we were so complicated and we had this great plan. It was just, let's go and see what happens and let's just talk to people. And boy, they were so aware of, I mean, that sometimes these ladies would just be sitting on the side of the street with, this, with a big bag of sunflower seeds trying to sell that for a few rubles to buy their dinner, you know, and... I mean, that kind of need, you know, they're very aware. And just to come and love them, it was, it was very simple. Mm -hmm. But Camp Sunny is another. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you're there yet. Go ahead. I was going to say, Troy, what year was it that we first went as a church to, um, to Russia? Yeah, so we got here in 94. So, you know, I don't I'm going to say somewhere between 95 and 98. Okay. Somewhere in there we, we went. Yeah, and I, I, I remember the first time I got to go was 2000. I'd been wanting to go on a trip for a long time, and Cindy and I got to go that year. That was our basically our one-year anniversary, and we were in, in Russia on that trip, the Camp Sunny trip. But you know how, I, to, you know how to you know how to have a <laughs> Happy anniversary, man. This place was awesome. Yeah, I know how to celebrate, take my wife to Russia. They're still uh, married. To Camp Sunny, yeah. yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I remember the same thing, too, just the hunger for the Word of God. And 
Like I remember us bringing over suitcases of tracks that we passed out and remember sweating a little bit at customs whether they were going to let us take them in or not. But um, and just nobody would throw them down. They would take them and they would read them and um, and there was just that hunger for the word of God. But um, I just thinking too, Troy, like for us as a church, as the life of our church, how important do you think it was that that was kind of what we did from the beginning as a church, take these trips? I think it was extremely important. And so, I, you know, we were we had done mission trips. We were missionaries. Um, and so it was just in our thinking. It wasn't in our thinking that we never would not do that, um, that we would wait till we got to a certain size or something. So my constant um, exhortation to um, churches is that you've got to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've got to go. You cannot sit and wait around until everything kind of comes together at home base and then go out. Because um, I, it's, it's my belief, and not in every circumstance, but I think generally speaking, if, you, if your biggest event is to get a bulletin, Sunday school together, and a Sunday message, and that's, and it takes a lot. I'm not, I mean, I, we did it, we know. But if that's all that you do, and you don't have a vision for the world, that body is not gonna have a vision for the world. So we went out as soon as we possibly um, could, and actually I think we were still going to, before we started going to uh, Russia, we were still going back into uh, Hungary and Serbia and doing stuff there. Um, and so I'd take a person with me and come back, have them share. Mm-hmm. But I think it was incredibly important yeah. because, mm-hmm. and I guess if any of you ever want to go plant a church, don't use it as a strategy, but understand it as the heart of people, mm-hmm. is that if, if you want to have people around you that have a heart and a mind to work and you don't have a, a vision to, to reach the world around you, they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're going to another church that does have that. And so you can end up with a collection of people that just are happy with status quo, and now you've got a problem. It is so important. I know that I don't think Jeff and I would have gone to Russia if we had not gone to Calvary Chapel Downey, and our pastor Jeff, Jeff Johnson, he truly had a vision for the whole world. He was like just, they just had short-term teams all over the world. Mm -hmm. And he was really excited about the whole thing coming up with Russia, but I remember my first mission trip, I was a my son was six months old, and I went to Mexico with a group of ladies. And it was just like kind of an impulsive harebrained thing, but we just did it, and we were so blessed. And because of that, Calvary Chapel Downey started working with an orphanage down there, and they've been working together ever since. That's like 37 years ago. And I think it's probably true that a lot of long-term missionaries went out long-term because they took a short-term trip before that. And the Lord just spoke to their heart very deeply about, oh, it's, it's, we just got to go. One of the things that happens when you go, if you go for two weeks, if you go for three months or whatever, no matter how short a time you, you do it, you just get that sense, oh, my gosh, God can use me. Like, we think so many times, oh, my goodness, missionaries, oh, you know, they, we just sort of think of them as super Christian or super special or way more, you know, intelligent or spiritual than we are. And that's just not the case. The only, you know, usable person is the one that's filled with the Holy Spirit, and you are. So go. And um, if the Lord, you know, 
show, shows you where. I wouldn't say if, I'll say where, when the Lord shows you where to go. But you know, so Camp Sunny, for those of you who don't know, it was a base of operation for about a week. And um, it's a, it was a camp, a kid's camp, um, and, <laughs> a, and bad, a Russian a kid's, kid's camp. camp and it was really, it was really rough. Um, but um, so the Russians would send their kids to camp every summer for like a month, right? Or six weeks or something. So all even the Russians were like, we would never have sent our kids here. <laughs> and so then you have these Americans who are used to clean things. And we were at this place that, and we've been a lot of places and I've never seen anything like this. But you know, the Lord had prepared my heart by, because this was the trip in 2000. Mm -hmm. And Cindy and I were the only American women on, on the trip. But the Russian group that was able to come, men and women, went with us to Camp Sunny, of course, and they were serving with us and evangelizing and, and translating and everything. But um, the Lord had really prepared my heart to like understand that when you go, it's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be the kind of food you want, the kind of food you like, edible food, period, a place you'd really want to put your head down on. I mean, like it it could be not, you know, comfortable in many, many ways. And so the Lord had said, but so you... Let me, let me give you a little... Hang on. Yeah. Low yeah. context. My last meal at Camp Sunny was the first night. Um, <laughs> when I, a hard-boiled egg? Maybe? When I reached in... You know, I did have hard-boiled eggs. That's right. Because I figured that's safe. But when I reached in and grabbed a piece of bread out of the bread bin, and I saw a teeth mark in it, in, in the piece of bread, and I'm like, yeah, I'm done with that. And so, and it was terrible. It was, it was like, terrible. The, you say Camp Sunny, find two words that are the exact opposite of Camp and Sunny, and that's where we were. I mean, a lot of, a lot of the children had, you know, scabs and sores, and I mean, it was just rust and, and uh, just mold and cracks and bugs, and I mean, it was, it. so, but you know what, the Lord had Thanks, prepared. Jeff. We appreciate that you setting us up they there. Hey, said sorry. You guys have never forgotten it. We were there waiting. never forgotten it. No, you never forgot it. But you know, the Lord, you just, yeah. the Lord gives you grace to get through whatever it is that might come. And, you know, um, the Lord had prepared me like, you know, you are going to have to be able to live with grace, walk in grace, extend grace when you get there, whatever that looks like. And I remember when newlywed Cindy uh, and comes out of the room that she had just been shown that she was going to stay in, which was right sort of next to ours. And her eyes were just like this. And I know mine were the same. And I just looked at her and had to share with her what God had already prepared me and just said, Cindy, we're going to we're just going to you know, be here, and God is going to give us the grace and the strength to get through it, even though it's not what we would want. It's not what our Russian brothers and sisters even were used to. Um, but the Lord just gave that grace. But, you know, at that Camp Sunny, that was the base. Like I said, we went to Alexandrov and all these other places, and God was moving and working. And um, I had the most warfare for those five nights mm -hmm. every single morning. I would wake up about an hour, uh, not on purpose, with so much warfare. The enemy, this is the, when I had left my kids the first trip. And so uh, we lived out here, and there was no family here. So his father flew out and took care of the kids for us, which was just such a comfort. But uh, I would wake up in the morning with the enemy just railing on me that my kids were going to die. That the enemy was coming after my kids. What are you doing here? You're just a mom. You don't know anything. You know, I can't. God's not going to use you. And I'm coming after your kids. And just rail. And I would just be. <gasps> and I would literally have, feel like I had an elephant on my chest. And I would just hide behind the cross and pray for about an hour every single morning in that place, guys. 
every morning. I would finally get victory in that, and then it was time for him to wake up, and we'd get up and have the day, and the Lord would just pour out his Holy Spirit, and then I would go to sleep again, wake up in the morning. <gasps> oh, my gosh, you know, the same warfare. But, you know, the Lord brought victory every single time. And so I guess the next thing is there's going to be warfare. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be stuff that happens that you're just going to have to hide behind the cross and look to Jesus for. And you know what? He is so faithful. When he says he's faithful and that he'll never leave you, guess what he means? He means that he's faithful and that he's never going to leave you. He's going to give you what you need for every circumstance. And um, that is a very memorable thing for the whole per Everybody went on that trip. But those nights, and I didn't even tell anybody about those times of warfare. It was just me and the Lord, you know, until later. And it's such a testimony to me now that God is just faithful, even in those times where I'm like, I am halfway around the world, and my kids are so little, and they're suffering because the enemy just throwing all that stuff at me, and the Lord would just remind me of his promises. He's like, I love your kids more than you, and if I brought you here, I'm going to take care of them. And all those things that are precious to you that you give to Jesus, he'll care for them. He will take care of that. So anyway. Really sweet. I appreciate hearing that so much. Um, <laughs> another testimony is we were just walking back through things and hearing from those who've gone and served before. One of, one of the young ladies who had gone and um, was just really, as she participated in worship with other believers from, you know, from Russia, just overwhelmed with the reality of uh, the global nature of the kingdom and of his body and hearing worship songs in multiple languages just completely changed her understanding and perspective of what the Lord is doing, what the gospel is about, how far-reaching and how all-inclusive, um, and just a, a gratefulness for his grace in that. I want to read uh, this, this next one. It's a brother who has made more than six trips uh, into the land, and I'm just going to read all of it because it, you need to hear his heart. But he says, I've got so many great memories of God working, I could write a book. But the one that stands out most was a time when me and my interpreter walked into a hospital room with about 20 ladies. I began to share a little, and then one lady spoke up that she was a Jehovah's Witness. She began challenging me with scripture and what she believed. After several minutes of talking in circles, I was moved by the Holy Spirit to just preach the gospel. So that's what I did, and the Spirit came upon me, and I preached. And when I was done, the Spirit of God opened every heart in that room, even the Jehovah's Witness, to believe. And the whole room was filled with weeping and cries of joy. I still pray for those ladies, mm -hmm. and I thank God for allowing me to be a part of his saving work. Incredibly uncomfortable and yet so fruitful for the kingdom. Just such a sweet uh, testimony, really great to hear. You know, and I think when you're, <clears throat> when you're walking into those hospitals and when you're walking in, knocking on doors, I mean, I hate knocking on people's doors. Does anybody else just like, I, I do not like to knock on somebody else's door unless I know I'm invited there. <clears throat> I mean, gospel or no gospel. I mean, you know, this is not just a gospel fear thing. I don't like doing that. I would, if I had to live on being a door-to-door -door salesman, I would die. I mean, it just, I don't like doing that. And so, but in each of those moments where you're going into a jail or you're going into a hospital, you're going into the orphanages, you're going to Camp Sunny, there's, in the midst of all of this, <clears throat> um, there's enough boldness to preach the gospel, but there's not enough boldness that all fear is removed. Yeah. And I just, just to kind of have that in your head, because, I mean, you know, even though you're doing it and you're seeing God work and seeing people get saved and it's beautiful and wonderful, you walk out that door, you knock on the next door, there's that thought, oh, not this again, you know, just that fear of, of what's going to happen. I'm a, you know, American guy, 
knocking on a door. Why would they, you know, and just that anxiety that comes with those moments. And, you know, they happened on every door we knocked on. They never got easier for me. Maybe for her, but not for me. She could live as a door-to-door saleswoman. I couldn't. So I think there's that, you know, I think about that, and I, I don't know exactly who that is, but the, those moments are, I mean, you're on a kind of the edge of a knife. You don't know which way it's going to fall. And you don't know how this is going to turn out. But, you know, you just you go with it and you preach and you see what will happen. Well, and I think it's just um, preparing for that. You can be doing that here, you know, going door to door. Our home Bible study in California, we used to go door to door. Or we just go to a park and do evangelism. Um, go to, going to convalescent homes. We took our kids to the convalescent homes since they were born, just, just to love on people. Um, yeah, there's just so much opportunity here in America. But I have to tell you, it is harder here, I think, to do those things. Because at least you're an American knocking on a, a stranger's door, but you're a foreigner. So, like, they're not going to... It's harder here, I think, to knock on a door because it's American to American. But preparing here, and I think it was really great for us to prepare to go overseas because Jeff was in this band, the Edifiers, you heard about it. But we did a lot of ministry in country, all over different states, all over our state, and it really prepared us to go and do it there. And evangelism is so much an issue of faith. I mean, you don't, we don't know what's going to happen. We're talking to somebody. In the beginning, we didn't know the Russian language, which was, it was hard. So we always had to use an interpreter. And sometimes we had interpreters that, I mean, we don't even know what the interpreter is saying to that person that we're talking to. And, and so it's just a matter of faith, knowing that the Lord wants that person saved more than I do even. So the Lord is already working, working in the fields. I mean, and that was one of the overarching lessons God was at work in Russia before we came. And that's another thing I was so encouraged by. It's like, we're thinking we're just breaking ground in Russia. We're the first, you know, missionaries here. And man, oh no, oh no. Those that really suffered on the mission field when they were underground, smuggling in Bibles, all of that. And so just that truth of, of you're, you're going into fields that there have already been those laboring. You just happened to go at a certain time of history, and that time was when the window was open for the Russian folks to hear this good news. Um, so faith, so much of evangelism is faith. But I think we can say, and I think you guys know it, isn't, isn't that where God meets you most powerfully? When you step out in faith, he's there. He proves his faithfulness to us so yeah well yeah i was just gonna say on that on the fear thing i just remember that first trip i was on uh waking up every morning just dreading going back out again there was like i felt like i can't even describe it as fear unlike i've ever experienced before in my life and but just the wonderful part of it was though i was with a team of people and i was like okay lord we're gonna go again and just we're gonna just go and just go in obedience and just see what the lord was going to do and um, and that, to me, was one of the most beautiful things of being on these trips is just being with a team of people, your brothers and sisters in Christ, serving the Lord together, experiencing it together. And 
Um, and then with your Russian brothers and sisters, just seeing what God was doing in their lives. And it was always so neat to see that, to see, you know, just the joy in their faces. And, um, you know, so it's a contrast to everybody else in Russia. You know, there was that joy that was there. And, um, and so it was always just encouraging. But, yeah, you face fear. I mean, it's a part of it. And, um, and the Lord just helps you walk through it as you're obedient to him. And so I would just say, you know, you got to do that. you got to just step out. And, I mean, I, the Lord grew me so much by allowing me to be a part of those trips and um, had me doing things I would never imagine myself doing, but he did. And um, so it really stretches your faith and helps your faith to grow. So. And you know somewhere where we can all... Um just on that note of getting used to kind of practicing, sort of, you know, a way that we all can do this is Easter is coming. Mm-hmm. And, right, we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Christ within, it's a couple months away. And um, we're going to put out little, hopefully little flyers or something for you to invite your neighbor. You don't have to go to every door if you don't want, but maybe you do. Maybe you could just go next door or go to the cubicle next to you at work or whatever it is. But, but get, handing that out and, and, and inviting somebody to church, that might be a great little way to start for every one of us, really. Amen. Amen. So let me, I'm going to pivot us a little bit towards um, what's happening in Vladimir all this time. So our fellowship has sent teams, again, three generations of Warners, you know, were a part of teams that went into the land, you know, three of my sons and a granddaughter, you know, went into Vladimir to serve, you know, Vernon, his wife, so many from here have served so wonderfully. While that's happening, you've got Jeff and Christina entertaining teams from here, teams from many places, and you've got a church that's progressing, that's maturing from Literally, you know, it's a section that we call from seven people to seven churches. Would you talk a little bit about um, your vision for training up a national and and just the way your own heart for missions kind of influenced and directed the work there? Yeah, I think even as we were on our way to Russia, we sort of understood that we wouldn't be the ones to stay there forever, but that the idea would be to raise nationals up to eventually take over the pastor of the church and continue on with the ministry. That was, call it a strategy or whatever, but that's what was on our Lord's heart for us. And, and so the, the young people started coming, they started growing. Um, this young man named Pasha began to be integrally in, involved in, in the ministry there, hungry for the word. I'll never forget one of the first prayer meetings that we had, that we gathered, it was in the Dom Architectura, the, the house of the architect. And uh, just a small group of, of folks there. Pasha was sitting next to me. Um, we're going through First Timothy and the qualifications for leadership and all of that. And he looked at me and he said in broken English, I want to be that man. Mm. He had only been walking with the Lord for... I don't know how long, a very short period of time. But moving forward, um, our, our first church plant was in a city called, our first church plant from Vladimir was in a city called Morum. That happened two years after Vladimir. And then we planted a church in Sobanka. And just through the years, being able to plant fellowships throughout the region uh, and just seeing the Lord raising up these young men and, and women who were so on fire for God and so solid in their faith. I mean, they were, they were mature. They, 
They were hungry. They studied the word. We were always in fellowship together, home groups, whatever was going on, all the people of the church literally were there. And they would tell us, you know, church is our life. And then we've got our stuff outside the church, but church is our life, the body of Christ, the family of Christ. Such a united front. So God used all of that to push the mission out and into different cities and all of that. Um, the conferences became very vital in the strengthening of all of the believers. The Lord allowed us to start a conference back in 96. We started a Bible college, and from there just kind of went into a conference for all the believers. And soon we were hosting oh, up to 300 believers from many different churches around the Russian Federation. And they all just loved that time of refreshment. Still do. I mean, still going on today. Pastor Troy was vital in that Rebecca coming and ministering to all the believers in such a powerful way. And, you know, they don't speak Russian. But God used them, still does, in amazing ways. And, and I think for me, my heart is, it's like God is looking for those who are available, willing, not extraordinarily gifted, not, you know, the super saint, but just willing to say yes. And, yeah, I'm probably getting off topic here, but... Uh, in fact, I better stop there. Go back to Jeremy. Uh, just, uh, just insert another brief snippet of testimony here. One of the, one of the brothers who was completely unprepared by his own admission for this trip, had, in his own words, had chickened out of a prior trip, but had been prayed over and asked to go on a trip. Finds himself there, hates plane rides, freaked out by the van rides. All, all you know, very difficult. And he, and he says, um, with about three hours of sleep, we hit the streets in Vladimir visiting hospitals first thing. All I can say is not prepared. Conditions were horrible. Ran into older uh, Russian men who were very argumentative. When we got back to the room where they were staying, he said, I broke down and cried, literally cried. What am I doing here? Yet the Holy Spirit confirmed in my heart that God had called me there and that he would give the power to be his witness there. The next day, I felt the same anxiety, but when I spoke, the fear left me each time, and I spoke with boldness, and I witnessed the power of God to save. Yeah. Again, just facing those fears as you're plowing and helping a fellowship to reach out into its community, just so sweet. Those pastors' conferences, I, we could spend a whole night talking. I, I don't think most of us can really understand what it's like to have been in a nation where believers are close to non-existent and certainly not gathering openly and joyfully, and suddenly the, the infusion of strength and blessing that comes from being in a room with believers from all over your country, it, it's palpable. Like when, you, when that happens, the strength of that goes on for, for a long, long time. So just the, the blessing of being a part of that. Because um, yeah, keeping in mind that there's not Christian radio, there aren't commentaries, there, aren't, there isn't Christian music. There aren't retreats and conferences and seminars. So coming together for the conference was like a really sweet highlight. Amen. So that, that was a, an important thing. As, as Pasha was trained up under you, Jeff, kind of as we need to begin to pivot towards home here, the, um, 
your time of preparing to hand that fellowship over, what that was like, and then you know, briefly your time of heading back to the States to pastor here. So we, we knew that the Lord had called us out of Vladimir and to come back to the States to pastor a church in Idaho. Um, the process was like, okay, Lord, who's going to take over the Vladimir church? It wasn't Pasha right away. I'd actually asked Pastor Yas in Morham, who, gifted teacher, the Morham church is doing well. I said, Yas, why don't you, do you want, pray about coming to Vladimir and taking over from me. I, I'm going to be, we're going to be leaving. He said, okay. And I said, let's, you know, pray for a week and we'll talk again. He, I called him. He said, no, I'm not, I, that's not, I'm not called to come back to Vladimir. So I said, oh, Lord, okay, what's going on here? Because I thought he was the guy. Uh, then Pastor Eager, who's in Kavrov, I talked to Eager and I said, hey, you know, you want would you have a desire to come back and pastor the church in Vladimir? We're going to be leaving and you know, I'm really truncating this story, but uh, and same thing. Let's pray about it. Pray for a week or so. We'll talk and call them. And he said, no. I'm like, Lord, what is going on? And then the Lord began to kind of shift my eyes toward this young kid named Pasha. And the Lord began to speak to me. He's been with you from the beginning. He's interpreted for you. He's done evangelism. He's done the youth. He's the, he knows the culture. Pasha is a very wise man with the Russian culture. And the Lord said, ask Pasha. You know, it's not Eliab. It's not the, you know, it's the one out in the fields. And so I sat down with Pasha. Same thing, Pasha, would you consider pastoring the church? Same thing, let's pray about it. Let's give it to the Lord, and, and I'll talk to you later. Um, I don't know how many days it was later. We sat down, and the, the, I'll never forget his words. I asked him, Pasha, would you be willing to pastor the church? He said, I can't do it, but I cannot not do it. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So he said yes. And so we laid down hands on him in November of 2004 at the conference. Um, and he's been pastoring ever since. And, but we've stayed connected. He was our son in the faith from the get-go. Um, know him very deeply. He knows us very deeply. Connected with Pastor Troy and Rebecca and the fellowship here. Um, just a, a wonderful, he's our son. Yes. So, so that's where we're at now. Um, and in the meantime, you might ask, um, what about us now? Um, after pastoring in Pocatello for 16 years, um, the Lord had never stopped our hearts towards missions. Um, but there was a season of pastoring a local church here in the States in Pocatello. About five years ago or so, at least, even before that, the Lord had stirred our hearts. At some point, you're going to go back on the mission fields not to, to primarily encourage missionaries and pastors and workers that are on the fields. Um, and since we knew the Russian language, we thought, okay, Lord, for sure, maybe in a, an area where there is still Russian speaking, we felt strongly that the Lord allowed us to learn the Russian language to, be, to use it. And so 
at this point, our heart's desire is, um, after now handing over the church in Pokey, it's been, we moved to Wisconsin in June. That's going to be our, our U.S. base, and we're going to be going overseas perfectly in God's time and will to set up, live, minister um, to those that are, we just, we want to be encouragers, a mission, uh, a mission of encouragement. And uh, particularly from the scripture where it says that Jonathan sought out David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. That scripture spoke to my heart so deeply three years ago. And yes, absolutely. Well, Rebecca spoke about seasons. And we went to Pocatello. And I, my daughter Sarah and I were pretty upset with Jeff in, inside. <laughs> Just like, we're missionaries. Why are you moving us back to America? And he told me very clearly. And of course, we had sought the Lord. And we had agreed we would go with him with a full heart. And we were supporting what he believed God was calling us to do. But um, we ended up staying 16 years. We went with a five-year commitment. And I think it was a season that the Lord did a lot of work in our hearts, preparing us. But I saw that, yeah, we're, we were missionaries. But now when Jeff told me, honey, we are servants of God. We're not missionaries. And so remembering our identity and the season. So for one season, my identity was a missionary. And then my identity changed, and I moved to Pocatello with Jeff. And I thought, will we ever go into the mission field again? But I have to say, we were able to do a lot in the mission world from a church in America. It was so eye-opening. And we were able to do work in other countries and in America and in different states. And so not getting hooked on a certain identity, not getting stuck in one season, but being willing to change. And now here's this season coming again, and we're looking at the field. And it's really exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. Well, and so maybe we'll, we'll swing back to Troy. So that, that's the quickest version we can give of the way two fellowships have been knit together um, for those seasons and borne fruit in so many different directions together internally, externally. And so now as that uh, is your new direction, Pastor Troy, why don't you maybe just share kind of what you see ahead? Yeah, so as they get ready to um, head out back to the mission field uh, with the, that focus of really trying to help other missionaries out there, the other things will be going on, but to be a, a resource of those that have been on the mission field, to raise their family on the mission field, um, you know, have pastored a church, um, and now to be able to serve the, those that are in need, those that need some encouragement or discouraged, or maybe they're having some trouble you know, adapting, you know, in that situation. So that's their heart is to go over there. So um, <clears throat> they are um, seeking the Lord. They're thinking that maybe home base over there. Am I allowed to say this? Yeah, over in, yeah, yeah, over in Georgia is where they're thinking about going and um, launching from there. It's no visa requirement, so that's a big help. And, um, yeah, the country, Georgia. And not, not the peach yeah. state. Uh, so... That's what they're going to be doing. And so a lot of it is, though, just to go over there and begin to see what the Lord's going to do with them. And uh, so in many ways, here we are back in 92, launching out again, except this time we know each other. And um, so as they go, um, I told them, I said, yeah, we absolutely want to be 
behind you as a church as you go and just say, you know, go seek the Lord, go minister. So they have a, uh, uh, they're going to be going and spying out the land, scouting to find out if this is a place and should they get a, move forward in that. So they have that coming up here um, in the first half of this year. Um, And, you know, so I would just encourage you to pray about if you'd like to help kind of uh, sponsor that trip, um, you can just give to the church, Jeff and Christina. And um, I think it's probably somewhere around 5,000. It could be more, it could be less, but um, we're going to just be supporting them in that. And whatever comes in, great, we'll make up the rest. Um, just out of the general account. And just to stand with them as uh, they begin to step out and see what's going to happen. And we as a church just feel like the Lord is he's doing something. And uh, we don't have the plan clearly in front of us. But we just feel like not only is the Lord doing something with them and some other uh, trusted uh, families that have been um, serving, um, we feel like the Lord is doing something with us as a church at this moment, in this place, and we're just going to step out. We're just going to go see what happens. So if you've ever wondered what it looks like on the, on the side before anything happens, this is what it looks like. Is we just want to get behind them and say, yeah, go for it. And we'll, we'll be behind you praying for you and supporting you. And um, if you say, hey, come on over here, um, we'll, we'll pack our bags and we'll go over there and we'll start sending teams and ministry and missions and, um, to, to this new place. So we already have some people over in Georgia. So we feel like there's a lot of things that are kind of all coming together right now. And it's just like all of a sudden it's like every time I'm turning around, we're here in Georgia. And... Um, so it just feels like God is on the move again, and we're excited to step out into it. So let's just pray for them right now, and um, we will let you go. Worship team, you can stay where you are. We've gone over, but um, why don't we stand together, and um, let's just pray for the Lord's leading and direction on the fadnesses and, and just what the Lord's going to do with us and how we're to be connected together. Father, we thank you so much for uh, what you have done And, Lord, all the good things you will continue to do that we don't even know about yet. But we know that you love this planet. You sent your son to die on the cross to save this world. And you are still worthy of the reward of your suffering, the souls of people. And so as uh, Jeff and Christina step out in this new venture, Lord, they know a little bit about what they're going to do. But you're going to fill in the rest of the story. And we thank you for their step of faith. We thank you that we get to step with them and to support them in what they're about to go do. And we pray you would just continue to unite our hearts together and uh, give us opportunity to minister together. And Lord, we just pray, give us, give us open doors. What we look back on tonight, um, it's just providential, Lord, what you did. Um, we can't change a government. We can't cause a closed country to open. We can't cause hearts to be open, um, Lord, but you can. And so we just pray for that same kind of favor, Um, not only with Jeff and Christina, but Lord, in all the ventures, Lord, just send us out, we pray, Lord, into this world um, to reach the lost, to encourage the saints, and uh, we just pray for your blessing upon them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys, thanks for coming out and being patient, and we'll be up here for a little while, and um, the Lord bless you guys.